Good morning. Uh, if you don't know who I am, I'm Johnny Caruso. I'm one of the student pastors. And uh, so, uh, graduation Sunday, and I'd like to say that I'm speaking to them, um, and I will be, kind of, but it's hopefully going over their head um, to the, the congregation this morning. And uh, one um, incredibly um, honoring and humbling um, thing is that um, this is the finish, this class is the finish of our third cycle of 6th through 12th graders since me and Trish have been here. Been here that long. That, that's a long time. That means you weren't even born yet. You probably were thought of maybe, but you weren't born yet. Your neighbor wasn't chosen out yet. I mean, oh well, yeah, it was, but it, you know what I mean. And they're going to get, they're used to what they're fixing to, what you guys are fixing to hear. And so um, Brian put the little video thing up there, and uh, before that one up there, it said black and white. Um, That's all I know to do. And so it's all black and white. So with that being said, um, I'm probably going to offend some of you this morning. I'm just telling you ahead of time. Um, I'm going to say some things because we're going to bring, uh, try to bring in some things that the world has brought into the church, and we're going to hopefully recognize those things so we can boot them out, number one. But number two, um, if you get offended, uh, is Shannon here? S. Ford at fbcfm.com. Um, and so you just email him, and he'll take care of that, okay? So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, turn to Galatians. Uh, Galatians chapter 3. Um, man, I tell you, I love Jesus and I love church and I love students. Um, it just, we've been interested in doing this for a little while and it's, uh, it, it never ceases to amaze me. Um, and I'll stop there because um, I, I get emotional at a couple things. I get emotional when teenagers graduate high school. I get emotional when someone gets saved. Um, that just tears me up. And then, you know, the Folgers coffee commercials where the uh, soldiers are coming home and they're surprising people. I get all tore up about that too. So, um, so, and I, I, before I didn't used to cry about anything and, uh, the Lord has just softened my heart. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit today. So turn to Galatians chapter three and you're going to go, how in the world do you get the Holy Spirit out of this? But we're, we're going to get there. So, uh, let's go ahead and read it. You foolish Galatians. And if you were to read some translations, some are really harsh. This is a very harsh criticism letter to the Galatians because of some things that have been going on in their church. Uh, you have been, or who has bewitched you or who has put a spell on you? Um, Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. And I would like to know, I would like to learn just one thing. And I think this is the way he speaks is the same way you would be speaking to your child if your child did something wrong. What were you thinking? He said, I just want to know one thing about this. I want to know one thing. You tell me the answer to one thing. And then he goes on to say, did you receive the spirit by works of the law? Or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish that after beginning uh, by means of the Spirit, you are now trying to finish the means by the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain, it not really being in vain, because they were persecuted. I mean, big time. So again, I ask you, does God give his spirit of works and miracles among you by the works of the law or by you believing in what you heard? And what they heard, of course, 
Paul was their um, father in their spiritual life. He is the one the church started because of Pentecost and because of the things that he preached. And so he's their spiritual father. And he's coming back as a spiritual parent saying, what the heck are you doing? And I want to talk about this morning because um, I think a lot of us are either stuck or have never, ever kind of got on track like we needed to. Now, when my daughters, I have, I have three daughters, two that are, if you heard how old they were, you'd go, what? Yeah, but they're pretty kind of old. And uh, in my house, when my daughters it, it learned to drive, I made them do something that probably some of you older parents, maybe not younger parents, because I don't even know if they have straight drive cars anymore. Do they have those still? So, in my family, uh, you had to learn to drive a straight drive manual stick shift car before you got to drive an automatic. Because, um, I don't know how many people in the past, a long time ago, you'd get stuck somewhere and someone had a straight drive car and they'd have an automatic and they couldn't get the car. So, we tried to teach our daughters how to do, well, we, I did, my my, Trish didn't do that. Um, And so, they, I would, we lived in Irmo. Uh, Some of you are familiar with Irmo. And right between Campus R and Campus I, which are the middle schools there, um, there's a hill and a stop sign. And so we would drive around the church parking lot, and then we'd drive around the street a little bit, and then we'd go to the hill. And, and they would stall out, and they would ruin the clutch. Not really, but they would just, it would just be terrible. And then they would they'd drive. Here's the deal. My, uh, my oldest daughter finally got it off the hill. Uh, my middle daughter turned the car off and got out of the car and came around to the passenger side, opened the door, and I had to drive it. She just never quite did it, never was able to really shift well. And I think that's what sometimes our problem in the church today is we, we have not really gotten out of first gear to second gear. We have allowed the church, uh, church, we have allowed the world to come in and tell us what church is. And we bought into it. And because we bought into it, we have, we're living in the flesh and we're not living in the spirit. And one of the ways that we live in the spirit is to understand and to grasp a hold of what it means to have the ministry of the Holy Spirit in your life. Now, I know you, you come to church and I know you hear Pastor Jeff. And by the way, I, Pastor Jeff, it looks so smooth. I mean, you weren't here for the early service, but the early service, I had to go, dun, 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 because we didn't have any music. It was just kind of, and you just make do where you make do. But Jeff walks up here, and it just kind of happens. And so he leaves, and then the bumbling fools get up here and try to do the same thing, and it just doesn't look the same. So Paul's talking to the church of uh, Galatia. And what had happened is, since they started the church, there had been some false teachers who had crept in. And whether they were Judaizers or whether they were Greeks or whether people, they were just attending the church and they started um, giving instruction on how the people needed to act or do uh, to, to worship and to follow the Lord. Um, Jude verse 4 says this, because they had the same problem there. For certain men crept in unnoticed, 
who were long ago, were, who for long ago were designated for this condemnation. Ungodly people who perverted the grace of the God into, into sensuality and deny the only master of the Lord Jesus Christ. And some verses say lasciviousness, which means lawlessness. And that's what's happened in America's church today. We have allowed the world to creep in and tell us how we're supposed to be, how we're supposed to act. Now, I'm, I'm not, um, <laughs> I think if someone were to ask you about Johnny, they would not say he's a nice guy. They might say he's a righteous guy, but they wouldn't say necessarily he's a nice guy because I'm loud and I'm boisterous and I am in your face and I am black and white and there's no gray except when it comes to my sin, but there's no other gray in my life. Just like you two. A lot of you are black or white, except when it comes to your sin. Then all of a sudden you start to make excuses. You start to backpedal a little bit. Yeah, but I'm, I'm, I, I don't do that. I'm, I'm better than them. And the problem is we're using the wrong measuring stick. We're using the one from Lowe's and not the one from Jesus. Because that's what we're supposed to be comparing with. And so Paul's talking to the Galatians, and he kind of really gets down on them pretty hard. And so I'm going to attempt uh, to talk about some areas that are a problem in the church today. And I would say even go further than that and say a problem in Christ followers' beliefs and followings today. Again, I'm going to offend some of you. And so let me just say, I don't know who you are for the most part. If you've got a teenager, I kind of know who you look like. Um, but this is not spoken to anybody. I'm um, just praying that the Holy Spirit will jab you a few times um, in the process. Um, so the first problem is that um, be, because we don't understand who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit does, we don't teach it. We just don't. We don't teach what we don't understand. And because of that, um, when it comes to sanctification, which means being set apart, which means being made holy, because of that, we're not being made holy and we're not being set apart. The only set apart we got is that we come to church on Sunday morning because this is South Carolina and this is Fort Mill and the doors are right there because that's what you're supposed to do. Now, I realize that's not everybody. That's not why I come to church. But a lot of people, that's the deal. So I, this problem number one is the fact that we don't understand because, and I'm just brushing over these because these could be like individual sermons in 180. They're used to what I'm fixing to do again. Uh, you're not, and so don't be shocked and just smile at me and be pleasant. And, uh, number two, and this is uh, one of the most controversial, is the fact that I'm a product of the 60s and 70s. Um, and in the 60s and 70s when the Jesus movement was. And you go, you don't look that old. Uh, well, yeah, Trish is, and so am I. And we were back there with the long hair and the hippie and the whole thing. And during that time of the Jesus movement, the Holy Spirit was so active in the church. I mean, people were being saved everywhere all the time, especially the ones who were the outcasts like me. And so, in that process, even a little few years before that, there was a movement called the Charismatic Movement. And the Charismatic Movement read God's Word, and they got, they got it wrong in a lot of areas. Now, I'm not going to go into that, 
But they kind of thought the miraculous gifts were evidences that you were a Christ follower. And we're going to talk about gifts in a minute, but that's not necessarily true. Um, again, if you are, uh, believe, I, I believe Jesus heals. Okay, I believe that. Um, I believe people spoke in tongues. Uh, I believe they do now. I don't know that that's right or wrong now, but I know it was in the past. And so if you do, sford at fbcfm.com. Okay. Uh, the third thing, and this, is, this hits me square right in the face, um, pragmatists. I'm, I'm a very much of a pragmatist. I'm very logical in my thinking. I'm, uh, it's A and B equals C. And, and so I, I'm a problem solver. I, and so you, you look out and you solve problems. And just like that, when things happen in my life, I, I, ha- I, I get confused sometimes. Is this the Lord leading me to do this? Is this my selfish unhumble, prideful, sinful Johnny that's leading to do this. And it's hard to distinguish that sometimes, especially when you really, really, really want to walk with the Lord. It's hard to to mask those things that cause us to question. And it always seems that man's logic is never really God's righteousness. Um... It's, it's, not, it's not good enough in today's world to be nice. It's only good enough for us to be righteous and to be holy. Because we've got a world out there that are stinking confused about who we are because we look just like them. And we act just like them. And we do the same things they do. It's interesting, I was looking at the um, order of worship. <laughs> Me, dumb. Uh, and uh, on the last song that they sung, or the song before that was called Let It Be. Well, I just saw that and I thought... When I find myself in times of trouble, I'm thinking the Beatles, okay? Well, then I read the last word. It said Jesus at the end. But that's the confusion sometimes. I don't always think straight. I don't always act right. Um, the next problem, and I'm, I'm, I'm not going to apologize for this because I think what I'm fixing to say is very true, but some people are haggard by this a lot, and that is a psychological um, problem versus a sin problem. Um, when I was young, uh, little, um, I had a, I'm, I'm Italian, and my um, father um, didn't quite know how to handle a disobedient little boy. And so, because of that, um, I got punched around, and I got hit with things. Uh, hammers were thrown at me. Um, been, I spent time in the hospital for cuts and bruises. And back then, it, you didn't get arrested for that kind of stuff. Um, but here's the deal. I am not going to have to answer for my father's sin. I'm going to have to answer for Johnny's sin. So it really doesn't matter how my dad is. And we're going to talk about the sovereignty of God. But I'm going to tell you what. God allowed those things in my life to make me to be as good or bad as you think I am. To make me to be who I am today. So that I could look at those things and know that God is sovereign over everything. And because he's sovereign over everything, he allows those things so that I can be more like Christ. With no mistakes. Now, we're sinners. We make mistakes. We do things wrong. Um... Even Paul, the guy who I would hold up as the 
uh, Billy Graham of his time and even higher than that, just below Jesus, said, man, I just don't understand. I, I, I know the things to do that are right, but I just get confused and I do those things that are wrong all the time and I don't get it. Even Paul said that. So it's not your parents, it's not your boss, it's not your wife, it's not your children. Now, now uh, I was going to a graduation party yesterday at, at uh, the Moore's house. And they like live, gosh, a mile and a half from my house, maybe. And it seems like every time I get in the car, <laughs> God goes, okay, let's let them all out. Let's, all the, the dummies, let them out, let them get on the road. Because I always get behind, within a mile, I got behind two of them. And my precious little wife, if you know her, you know exactly what I'm talking about when I say this. She is the Holy Spirit in my house a lot of times. Um, And we're driving. She knows what I'm preaching. And she looks at me and says, so what are you preaching tomorrow? I said, come on, give me a break. Come on, right? You're not going to have to stand before the Lord for anybody else's problems. You're going to have to stand before the Lord for who you are and what you've done. It's just simple as that. I am not going to tell you that people don't have chemical imbalances or that people have been such, through such traumatic things that they don't have to talk to somebody about it. I'm not telling you that. I'm just telling you we need to quit playing the blame game unless you're pointing the finger back at you. It's as simple as that. When you look in the mirror, that's the guilty party for most of the things that we go through. That's the why we're suffering like we suffer. The last thing under the problems, I guess you want to call them, it's kind of a theological consideration. And that is, I really don't think we believe in total depravity of man. I think we think that we're really good. We're, you know, hey, we're not as bad as old next door neighbor, right? I mean, I don't holler at my dog and kick my children or that vice versa, whatever we want to put that. I don't do that. I'm, I'm kind of a good guy and you're kind of good people, right? Well, our best, and you all know the verse, but our best in front of the Lord is filthy rags. I won't go into the Greek definition of what that means. But it's pretty, da- it's pretty nasty. It's, it's just not, not good. It's not nice. That's our best. That's the best we can work up. The second thing, the depravity of man is one. And the second thing is, I really don't, I think, we say we do. We say we believe in the sovereignty of God, but I don't think we really do. Because that means... What got you to where you are today in your life, no matter if you're a five-year-old or a 55-year-old or a 95-year-old, God is sovereign over all of that. That means all the ditches you had to go through, all the times you got knocked off the road, all the bad things that happened to you, all the circumstances you had to go through, everything that you have to go to, according to God's word, is according to God's sovereignty in your life. And I'm going to tell you what, it's been several years now, but when I really realized what the doctrine of sovereignty of of the Lord meant, or sovereignty of God meant, it was so freeing. Because I knew the things that happened to me shouldn't be a struggle anymore, and I just had to find out why they're happening. Lord, what do you want me to learn? Lord, what do you want me to do? Lord, where where do you want to go? 
It was so freeing that I don't have to, that's not my responsibility anymore. I can just depend on him. Now, I stand up here and say this and act like I'm a spiritual giant. Yeah. Because I struggle like everybody else. So those are some of the problems that we've allowed to creep into the church. And uh, we, we suffer from that greatly, big time. Um, we struggle, I'm going to say this, is, I can't believe I'm going to say it, but I'm going to. We struggle with our music because we don't know how much is the music attractional to lost people that don't know Jesus. Or is it God that draws them in the door? We don't understand. Should we stand in the grocery line and this guy's giving this guy a hard time and you should share the gospel with him because he needs Jesus or he wouldn't act like that? Or do we just kind of hold our lettuce and don't do anything? God put you in that line. I, I, it's interesting because the students know this, and if you're around me very long, you know it too. Um, one of, and we'll talk about it a little bit later, my spiritual gifts of evangelism. So if you're at the gas station, watch out. I'm serious. The Lord always puts people at the gas station and the grocery store line and just standing on the street. And he always starts conversations. Always. So those are kind of the problems. Only God can sanctify. We have totally underestimated God and we have totally overestimated man when it comes to sanctification and being right with the Lord. We've totally done that. And so I've got some things that I, and I'll be honest with you, this is about a five-week series in 180, um, and I'm going to do it in 15 or 20 minutes. Um, and so hang on. You've got to listen fast. Number one, what is the Holy Spirit? What, how does he work in my life? What does he do? The very first thing he does is he convicts us. He is the one that convicts us. John 16 says, but now I am going away and, uh, to the one who has sent me, and not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you're grieving because of what I've told you. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the confronter, or whatever words you want to, won't come. If, you, if I do not go away, if I do go away, then I will send him to you. And, be, and when he comes, he will convict you, the, the world, of his sin and God's righteousness and the judgment of the So the very first thing that happens in our life is the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. Now, here's the deal. Um, conscious out the window, Holy Spirit in the window. The Holy Spirit, when, I don't know about you, uh, when I was driving to the Morris house yesterday, it didn't take Trish with, with the evil eye, it didn't take Trish asking me what I was going to preach, it took me saying it and the Holy Spirit going, what in the heck are you doing? I mean, it's instantaneous when I mess up and I got to confess and I got to ask forgiveness and then I got to move on. Now, um, there's a problem with that part right there. Some of us confess some of us ask forgiveness, and then we keep picking that junk up and carry it around with us. Now, I don't totally understand God and everything that he does, but I know all the sins that I did before and all the sins that I do now and all the sins that I'm going to do in the future are totally forgiven. I don't understand that. If I was God, I wouldn't do that. Praise God, I'm not. But he does. That's why I can live in freedom. That's why I don't have to worry anymore because I can trust in him. 
So the first thing he does is he convicts us. The second thing he does is he draws us to repentance. Now, um, I won't go into too much of this because it'll bring us to weird issues. But Second Timothy says, opponents must be greatly instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge of truth, and they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil. The opponents of Christianity, are they, they need to escape. They need to get out of the trap. Guess what? You hold the rope. You, you, you are their neighbors, you are their work associates, you are their friends at school and at soccer or or whatever you guys do. You're their rope. And because we think we're good and everybody else is good, we sit back and go, okay. They're on their own. They're on their own. I got a lot more I can say about that, but I'll go to the next point. Uh, the next thing he does is he energizes God's word. The Holy Spirit energizes the truth in my life. First Peter says, it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but, but you. When you spoke of the things you have been told um, by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Now, I don't know, I don't know if you have a quiet time. I don't know how you grow in the Lord if you do grow in the Lord. Um, but how in the heck are we going to be like God? How are we going to be like Jesus unless we read who he was and what he did and how he did it and all of his character traits and all of everything, all the values? How are we going to know that if we don't read his word? And I'm out here, and you, can't, you can't grow on a drive-by devotion. You can just make your conscience feel good about it. You can go, oh, well, I did my do. You, on Sunday morning, oh, by the way, oh, I'm going to meddle now. Shannon, get ready. Here we go. If you're not a part of an, adults, I'm talking to you. If you're not a part of an ABF class, shame on you. That's part of our church's process. That's part, I don't like that word, but that we're, that's part of what we do for us as believers in community to grow in the Lord, for us to have fellowship, for us to get together, for us to pray for one another. That's what you need to be doing. Now, he's, he's probably not going to have a flood after that, but that's what we do. You've got to be under the word, not just here with Pastor Jeff, and he does a great job, not just here. It's got to be more than here. It's got to be more than Sunday morning. It has to be. The next thing he does, after he energizes the church, it's truth. And this is, a, the, to, to me, a, a good one. Um, he saves us. And in uh, John 3, when Nicodemus is talking to Jesus, he says, Jesus replied, verily, verily, um, I tell you that no one can come to the kingdom unless he is born again. And how can someone be born again if they're old, Nicodemus asked. And surely you cannot enter a second time into your mother's womb and be born. And Jesus answered, verily, verily, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of heaven unless he's born again of water and of spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. So unless you're born of the spirit, that ain't happening. I don't know where you are spiritually today. I'm going to make some comments that I make with the teenagers because I, I think they're right and true. Uh, um, I always have to tell the kids not to raise their hands, but um, I don't know what your spiritual condition is today. 
I don't know if you're a Christ follower. I don't know if you're on your way to there. I don't know if you're far, far away from there. I, I, I don't know. And to be real honest with you, it's, that's not my responsibility. But if you're not saved, I want to say this to you as I tell the kids. Why not? Why the heck not? And you go, oh, man, he's confrontive and he's he, harsh. Uh, why not? What's the alternative? Y'all hearing me? What's the alternative of salvation? What's the alternative of being a part of the body of Christ? Well, the alternative is not really good. It's really bad. And so if you're here this morning, the Bible's very clear. Today is the day of salvation. Right now, most of you have probably been to church most of your life. You know how to be saved. If you're not saved, take care of that business. Go back to the connect room back there. There's someone there back there that will help you walk through it. Take care of it. Be in the community that God has called you to be a part of. And we'll talk about that in a minute. So he saves us. Um, the, the next one is in Acts chapter 2. And I read this and the charismatic people get real happy. But uh, number 5 says, he lives in us. Um, repent and be baptized. This is chapter 2, 38 and 39. Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. For you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children, for all who are far off for all who are the Lord will call, uh, God will call for you and your children. Um, man, I tell you what, we're losing the fight. We are losing the fight. You know why? Parents, listen to me. I'm one, I know. We have not transferred our faith to our children. You are so inept. Now, I say that to you, and I say it to me, too. There are no instruction books. Uh, there are a lot of books. And they all say something different. But the bottom line, parents, if you're a Christ follower, it is your job to lead your children to the Lord. It's your job. That's why you have your children. And if you're not doing it, wake up. Come on. S4FBCFM.com. <laughs> if someone's chuck, but hey, I get the emails and I just teach you 180. Come on. 1 Corinthians 19, or actually it's 12 says, do, not, do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Because when we receive Christ, we receive the Holy Spirit. He dwells within us. It's, um, it, it's not a, a second anointing. It's not that. When I received the Lord back in the 70s, the Lord came to live inside of me. And by the way, this is really, this was revolution. We're teaching to the book of Romans and, and 180 for the teenagers. And I have been a Christian a long time, and I don't know that I really ever understood. I used to give the example of, you know, inside of you, you have a flesh man, and you have a spirit man. And if you feed the flesh man, then the flesh man's going to grow. If you feed the spirit man, then the spirit man's going to grow. That's not biblical. The flesh man's dead. When I am Christ, I'm a new creature. All those old things are passed away. All those new things come into my life, and I'm new. Sinner? Yes. Because Adam? Yes. Or Eve, or whoever you want to blame for that. 
So he indwells us. Now, this is a, this is a, this is a 2017 issue that one I'm fixing to read here. And I've said it. I've said it to the staff. I'm embarrassed that I said it to the staff. He gives us instant community. Now, listen to what I'm fixing to say. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Just as the body, though one has many parts, but it all has many parts, and from the for, they form one body, so as it is with Christ. We're all baptized by one spirit and by one body, whether you're Jews or Gentiles, whether you're slave or free, or whether you've been given this one spirit to we've all been given one spirit to drink, even so that the body is made up of, of one part, but many gifts secured and separated f- us from sin. And here's what he's saying. When you're, when you're born again, you're in the community. You're a part of the body. It's interesting that even though we're a part of the body, we're a part of the community, we go outside the community to get satisfied. Man, can't believe he just said that. But it's true. You, you want to know why I think? And I'll use me. Um, I'm, not, I'm not ashamed. Uh, I am ashamed of my sin, but I'll be honest about it. You know why I am not part of some communities? Because I don't want to let, let you know who I really am. All my sins are secret, right? And so I don't want to know. I, want you, I don't want you to know who I am. I don't want you to know that I'm a sinner. If I were to rip my heart open right now and you could see, you'd go, oh, God, that's nasty. And yet the Bible says that we're supposed to do that. We're supposed to be a part of community. And that's how we lift each, that's how we bear one another's burdens. That's how we pray for the brothers and the sisters in the Lord. And here's the deal. It don't matter what part, what body you're a part of. And I'm pointing to all the churches that surround us. We're surrounded by churches. It don't matter. The body's supposed to come together and pray for one another and gird each other in prayer because that's our power. I, I don't see, I'm, I'm looking for somebody, I don't see, are the Blantons in here? They're not. Uh, here's a good example. Um, he's, I think they were in the early service. Uh, Michael has been diagnosed with cancer. We need to be praying our guts out that God would heal him. We as a body of Christ need to come together and get on our faces before the Lord and said, and I don't have a personal relationship with them. I just know who they are because they had a daughter come to the youth group. But it's my responsibility to pray for him. It's my responsibility to undergird him. It's my responsibility to rejoice with him. He had two tests last week that came back negative. Woo! But we're afraid of who we are. We're afraid to let anybody else know who we are. And me too, okay? Me too. This next one is the, uh, praise God for this next one, Uh, eternal security. And by the way, this is not a Baptist doctrine. This is not a, well, yeah, I'm going to, this is not a Calvinistic doctrine, 
This is a biblical doctrine. Let me read what the scripture says in Ephesians chapter 1. And you also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth and the gospel of salvation. And when you believed, you were marked in him where they seal the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is depositing guarantee for our inheritance until the redemption of those who, uh, who are God possesses to the praise of his glory. And so what he's saying is this, guys, listen to me. And this is, this is, once you got it, you got it. Once you got it, you can't lose it. Now, the confusing part is, did you really get it? That's the confusing part. Because we've been wrapped up in saying a prayer. We've not been wrapped up in having a changed life. We've been wrapped up in going to the connect room, but before that, you're coming down front. But how accountable are we to, we just talked about that, the one before that. How accountable are we to one another? Where's the fruit? Everybody goes, oh, we're not supposed to be judging our brothers and sisters. That's lost people. That's not brothers and sisters in the Lord. Read your Bible. Uh, so, I, yeah, when I, when I became a Christian, again, I told you kind of who I was at the beginning, but when I became a Christian, I thought, you know, I, I tried the Eastern religions. I prayed with a guru at one time, I, the Beatles influence, and I was raised Catholic, and I was baptized 11 times in seven different churches, because that's where my girlfriend went to, and... Um, you know, all the way from Methodist to Bible Church to Church of God to to um, Church of Christ to Baptist churches to Presbyterian churches. So they don't they sprinkle, so it's a little different. But uh, you know why? Because mom, mom, get in the heart of mom, and you get in the heart of the daughter. And here's the deal: until 1976, on May 6th, in Dell City, Oklahoma. Until I was baptized. Now listen to what I'm fixing to say. Until I was baptized in the Holy Spirit because he came to live inside of me and indwelt me and poured over me. None of the other stuff counted. None of it counted. I passed over one on purpose because I think it's real confusing. But you can read in 1 Corinthians 12 or Romans 12 or Ephesians 4 and it's actually alluded to in 1 Peter 4. Um, he gives us gifts. Man, I wish we as the body would understand what our gifts were so that we could work together as the body. It would be such an awesome machine for us as believers to use our spiritual gift. Now, here's the deal. I, I always find it interesting because I've known my spiritual gift for really a long time. And actually, I didn't take a spiritual test, gift test to find out what it was. Um, I, I told you one of my gifts is evangelism. And so I just, just don't have, I've never quite gotten over the fact that Jesus saved me. That's, he, he loved me. Never, I just, I, I just want to talk to people about it. And the Lord always puts me in places. I was, yesterday, I was at the uh, Harris Teeter gas pump because you get three cents off a gallon if you have the little Harris Teeter card, right? Okay. I'm there and a, a, a lady's on the other side of me and she can't get her card to work and she's, she's blessing the little machine out big time. And so me, I mean, captive audience, she's got to get gas, right? So I go, can I help you? And so she starts talking to me and I get her thing going and she starts pumping gas and my little thing clicks 
but I got a conversation about Jesus over here going on. And so at a grocery store, how many of you ever stood in the line of a grocery store and someone is just having a hard day and they need to hear about the love of Christ? Or how about someone you work with? How about someone that's been diagnosed with cancer? Now, I would like to tell you that I'm really obedient, but I'm not. I do it because we're told to do it. That's part of the fruit of the Spirit. We're supposed to do that. I also, one of my spiritual gifts is service. And all you got to do is come into the student ministry and figure that out. Because we go on mission trips and we help people. We've got a group of boys that uh, every Monday, uh, and they're tearing my lawnmower up doing it. But every Monday they go, get my lawnmower and they go mow lawns for two senior adult ladies in our church. Not taking any money at all for it. Because that's what the body's supposed to do. I'm looking at Hope Trig over here. Every year, the week before we go to school, our students and some of our adults go into the schools called Engage Fort Mill so that we can help the teachers, so that we can share the gospel with them. That's why we do it. You're supposed to use your spiritual gift. And it may be administration, it may be teaching, um, it may be, oh, bless you with the gift of mercy, because I don't have any. I mean, I, I don't even score on the test when it comes to that. I've taken tests a million times. Uh, Trisha doesn't have any either, so if you're in, my, in our house, you get hurt, you better be bleeding out the ears and the eyes and the mouth before we get a good doctor. It's just not happening. But I can look out here right now, and I can see people who have the gift of mercy who I use because I don't in the ministry of the students. It's that simple. Because we're a body, and we're a community, and we're supposed to get together. What time am I supposed to be finished? Now? Five minutes. Thank you. Um, The last one, good timing. Uh, The last one is the Holy Spirit sets us apart. In 2 Thessalonians 2, it says that we ought to always thank God for you, our brothers and sisters, by the Lord, because God chose us and the first fruits to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief and truth. He called us... Um, to this through the gospel that you might share the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold fast to the teaching we passed on to you, whether by word or by mouth or by letter. Now, um, sanctification means being set apart, being different, being separate. Do your neighbors know who you are? Do your family members know who you are? Do your friends know who you are? And what an opportunity. The Lord has put you in situations that no one else is in so that you can tell about the glorious salvation that Christ brings and that nobody else can tell because you have that relationship. I'm going to do something different. It's interesting because in 180 and this week, um, uh, my lessons are fluid. And so I was on the way to church this morning and um, listened to the radio and I listened to a song. And uh, so I'm going to play this song for you. And um, I, I think I've tried to do this before and it hadn't worked. So we'll see if we're going to do it or not. 
Um, but it just, I need you to listen to this. So if you turn this mic on, it'd be awesome. Um, let me find out where it's at. You unravel me with you a that? melody. You surround me with a song of deliverance. Can you all hear that? From my enemies till all my fears are gone. I know.
I know that looked awkward, but I just wanted you to hear that um, because we are. And because of that, every sin that so easily besets us is broken because of the love of Christ. Um, So here's the deal. Um, We've talked about the Holy Spirit. We just brushed over it. It really, gosh, in depth, there was nothing whatsoever what it should have been. But I know the Holy Spirit. And I know the Holy Spirit speaks for those who are believers um, definitely in your heart and your soul about changed life. He just always does. So you may be here and you're a believer and um, you need to break every chain of sin that's in your life. Get over it. Get past it. Remember, you're the one answering for it. Uh, The second thing is you may be here and you're uh, a grandparent or a family member of one of these graduates and you don't know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And as I said before, today is the day of salvation. You know the only difference between me and you except I'm standing up here and you're sitting down there? I'm saved. I've been born again. And so we have a connect room. It's to most of yours right, to this group behind you. And there are people that are going to be back there uh, that can talk you through that. And maybe this morning you need to accept Christ. Or maybe this morning you need to just drop off that knapsack of sin and get rid of it. Give it to the Lord. Or maybe you just need to pray. Maybe not for yourself. Maybe for someone else you need to pray. So there's going to be someone back there to take care of that.